Hello and welcome to the How Many Light Bulbs Does It Take podcast. I'm Master Chief Jen. I'm just Carrie. I'm Stacy. I'm Pod Prod GPT. Today we're talking about working remotely, video gaming, and its effect on society. And Carrie brings us the second installment of Terra Read Search. So working remotely, yeah. Did did either of you ever hear of anybody even doing any kind of telework, or even maybe just like once a week or once in a blue moon before the uh, pandemic hit? I mean, there was. I actually did work a job that was partially remote back when the housing before the housing market crashed. Okay. Um, and it was, it was fun. I got to stay in my pajamas. I just had to answer my phone, nice. do my job. I could eat all day. I could drink all day. Not like booze, but like, you know, I could get up and go to the bathroom when I want. And I can stay in there as long as I want, as I needed to. Because you know, when you're in the workplace, you feel rushed. You do when you're in the bathroom, regardless of what you're doing. I actually I, I do some of my best thinking in the bathroom. I'll get up from my desk and walk away and I'll be in there and be like, oh, that's how I fix that. <laughs> <laughs> That's I call it my office at work. I do my best work in there. Yeah. But normally before the pandemic, unless you were, you know, self-employed, you normally did not work from home. I was a little bit more used to it. Uh, yeah, I'd went to school completely online. Then I, I was looking to get in a field, you know, where, where I could work from home. That was like a goal of mine that I had set a long time ago, you know, became an instructional designer. And my first job, they let people work from home. I didn't get to at first, you know, you have to like kind of work your way up to it. So after I was there for six months, they let me work from home and, you know, I, I moved back to help my mom out. And uh, <laughs> then right after I got here, they had big, a massive layoffs at the company and I got, I gone out in Tulane here and, uh, but yeah, you know, it was really hard. People at, you know, Tulane were very much against working remotely. It was, you know, just, but they, they allowed me to work, you know, remotely a couple times a week. And then, you know, the pandemic hit and then everybody worked from home. And, you know, it was like you're saying, man, it was, uh, I think where you're getting at is it was just a huge mind shift where a lot of people were so against work from home. And then when everybody had to and saw how freaking awesome it is, <laughs> it's been a struggle to get people to go back in the office. Well, I, I guess I was thinking, well, my perspective is a little skewed anyway, because let's face it, the Coast Guard is not exactly a remote work friendly yeah. environment. You're not going to, well, I guess it would be cool if we could remote pilot the boats because then we wouldn't put our crews or our pilots or anybody at risk and we could still go out and save lives, you know, a little drone go out and just fuck them over and put them on the boat and go. But uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're all long way from that becoming a reality but yes we're what you call touch labor you have to be there to do the work you have to put yeah. your hands on the gear you're out interacting with the public so some people were able to occasionally do remote work in the coast guard but it wasn't the accepted thing and then along comes COVID 19 and we're all forced to figure out something like that because the coast guard was trying to go towards six feet apart only like half the crew would be in at a time uh one of the units i was at we actually we we staggered desks so you know if, if whatever crew was in working on a monday their cubes would be diagonal across from each other so you weren't actually breathing or anything in anyone's space and if you actually left your cube you had to put a mask on if you were sitting at your desk so a lot of us would talk by just standing up and popping your head up over the cube <laughs> <laughs> until, until the uh, XO kind of said, no, you're out of your cube. <laughs> Put your mask on. We're like, damn it. <laughs> it's like, there's walls. And there's us. I'm just gonna little, get out. little meerkats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
you get your eyes up over the wall. <laughs> but you get your you get anything where air is coming out of over the wall. You had to put a mask back on. But um yeah, and, and the funny thing was, I don't know how well the civilian world reacted to everybody all of a sudden mass teleworking, but the Coast Guard was by no stretch of the imagination prepared for this nonsense. Let me tell you, everything was just we had systems in place so you could access your email remotely, but the, the card reader you needed required a Windows 7 driver. So when your Windows 10 computer would up every time it updated, it deleted your stupid Windows 7 driver and <laughs> tried to update it. And then you couldn't get to your account and it just didn't work. And we didn't have the infrastructure. And it was, you know, it was, it was like the street three stooges were uh, in charge for a while there until we got our stuff squared away to the point where now people and people of a certain rank or certain job responsibilities can telework. Obviously, we still have all the touch labor people, but you know, now that we're, did the CDC say we're officially out of the pandemic? But uh, <laughs> the Commandant actually came out with a new telework policy. And again, like, like you said, Stacey, just people saw what a good quality of life they could have working from home. They could still be with their family. They could do whatever. Okay, maybe not necessarily during the pandemic when you're trying to work from home while trying to homeschool your kids and trying to stay on top of that and realizing you know, that common core I tried to figure that out one day and you know what, it, it's a, it's a very long way around to get to the shortcut that I figured out on my own after I learned real math. <laughs> so, I think a lot of parents were probably looking at that and going, yeah. But, now, do you think you're more productive when you work from home? Some days I am, but not every day. And I think that's a common theme with some of the people I work for. We still get our stuff done, but, and it's nice that I don't have to deal with commuting in, in Miami traffic on the days that I don't have to telework or the days that I do telework, my commute is my bed to the kitchen table or, you know, the island over there in the kitchen or, or here on the couch. But uh, there are some days it's just check my email every couple of minutes, maybe move the mouse around so the computer doesn't fall asleep. I mean, my job can on some days is a Teams meeting, an email and a phone call. And if it's a slow email day, sometimes the motivation isn't there. I am not going to lie. But hey, you, you just Stacey? have to be, you just have to stand at guard and be at the ready. That's it. <laughs> Find a piece of coast and guard it. <laughs> when you work from home, um, do you find yourself to be more productive or less productive or just I'm, enough productive so not to get caught doing the things you don't want to be caught doing? I definitely always feel more productive when I'm at home because I, you know, I have more computers at home so I can have several projects going on at the same time. I have several, I have a couple of computers at work too, but um, I think one of the biggest benefits for me is just not commuting. I, I, I don't like traffic. You know, anytime you go to the doctor, they ask you, you know, any allergies, I say the traffic, you know, I, it breaks, I break out in Tourette's I'm just fuck, fuck, fuck the entire time I'm going, you know, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you may have it. I try to say alternately that I'm allergic to work or that work is a four letter word. And I would appreciate it if you'd watch your language in my presence. And <laughs> I have not had success with either. So I'm going to try, I get, I have Tourette's syndrome brought on by the, the commute anyway. <laughs> this is true. But it's um, such a huge relief. You know, you're not stressed. You don't have to worry about anything. The, the, the money that it saves as well on gas. I mean, my commute now isn't that bad, but when um, I lived in Maryland, you know, I was uh, living just south of Baltimore and I had to go to uh, Alexandria, Virginia. 
it was 45 miles. Some days it would take me three to four hours. That was a normal commute. And that was insane. It was anybody living in that area. I think it should be a law that you can <laughs> work from home to get the traffic down. And it's insane. Well, a lot more people need to start teleworking down here in Miami, unfortunately. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's one of the things that you don't have to worry about, especially when I was up in uh, Wisconsin or, or, or in Maryland. Um, I was able to telecommute like two, three days a week when I was up in Maryland. Again, there were things that you still just had to come in for. And there's things that I just have to go in for now. I mean, you can't, there, there's definitely something to face-to-face meetings that sometimes your job just, you just need to do that to get the networking, to get, get stuff done. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, even emails or phone calls, you know, if I could just get up and walk to somebody else's desk and say, Hey, let's figure this out. <laughs> bounce <laughs> ideas off each other. You can do that on teams with the video, but it's, I, I find that uh, there are times when I'm a lot more productive because I'm in person talking to another person face to face right there. You can get a lot done with a handshake. Yeah, I did that definitely see a lot of positives to uh, the the interaction that you have with a human together. Uh, it, it's more fluid the inner, you know, the the banter goes and because you can read each other better. Because yeah. I, I actually really do love going into the office. I, I love where I work and who I work with. And we have fun when we're there. You know, we make each other laugh and, and the day goes by. You know, it's not that I hate going to the office and that's why I want to work from home. That absolutely the opposite. I, I love going in there. If I, I can I just roll like, out of bed into work, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I would love going in if it weren't for the people in the traffic down here in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the traffic. Keep, keep and food, get rid of the traffic, get rid of the people. This would be a great place. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that we are finding, and it's not just limited to the Coast Guard, it's all the military services, that we are having such a hard time recruiting now right. because one of the things that we're having difficulty overcoming is the fact that you can get a civilian job and you can telework and you can stay in one place and you don't have to get up and move every couple of years. But uh, the fact that you can work from home and not work from a job on site at a place that is actively trying to kill you every now and again. Yeah. uh, I mean, a lot of our stuff's made by the lowest bidder. (laughs) We're finding that difficult to overcome and difficult to get past. I mean, there's like only about 1% of the target recruiting demographic of 17 to 24 year olds even wants to serve in the military. And of that 1%, 25% of that 1% are the only ones that are fit both physically and mentally to serve in the military. And they don't necessarily, well, yeah, no, that's the 1% that wants to serve and 25% of them are physically and mentally fit to serve. But there are uh, mental illnesses that if you're diagnosed with, there are barriers to serving. But, uh, hmm. but then, and, and, and giving that work, what we're going to talk about in the next segment, um, the physical fitness, you know, it's, it's, uh, the, a good chunk of the percentage of the population is, uh, getting a lot more obese and, uh, not taking care of themselves as well as they should. And I am one of them, unfortunately, but you know, I can pass PT test. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it's crazy. Just some of the some of the ramifications of what society's had to do to adapt to the pandemic conditions, so we could still work and earn a living and do what we needed to do to take care of our families. Well, now that's affecting all the jobs where you need to be in person that aren't you know once upon a time you know especially especially after nine eleven. I mean, everybody and their brother wanted to join because you know we we had a cause. 
you know, we had, we had something we needed to do. We had a job to do. We had a country to do, you know, we still have a country to defend, but we had, we had an enemy. We could point to that guy and say that asshole right there, defend this country from him and from all of them. But, uh, but we don't necessarily have that spirit for one of a better word in the country anymore. It's not, uh, it's, there are other options and there's just, it's not, it's not as appealing to as big a segment of the population. The, the, the patriotic aspect of, you know, I want to do something bigger and better with my life. I'm going to go serve my country. And I don't believe that spirit is really in the youth of today as much as it was in the years following 9-11. So one of the reasons that we're having trouble recruiting people because of the physical fitness is America's fondness for video games. I mean, kids start off at a pretty early age now they've either got games on their little phones you know you've got all the game consoles out there and especially during the pandemic you weren't going out and playing with your friends you weren't going and climbing trees and falling out of them you were staying home you were playing video games and you were not getting exercise leading to the problem with some of the obesity and if you read this article on health.harvard.edu the health effects of too much gaming published december 22nd of 2020 there's a bit of a laundry list of other health issues that video gaming can cause but before we get into laughing at people with their nintendinitis and i guess we're not really laughing at the nintendinitis so much as i'm laughing at the name Nintendonitis is actually a real name of an issue. Uh, why don't we talk about, I mean, we're all nerds. What were our first video game experiences? I can start. Um, let's see, you know what? I, oh man, dad bought a Texas Instruments computer. This was a few decades ago and he wouldn't let us play any games on it and it, it add little cartridges, you know, for the games. Mm-hmm. But you could also, there was a magazine that we would get. I forget the name it was Texas Centers, something or other, I'm sure. But inside the magazine would be the code for you could program your own little games. Yes. And Dad wouldn't let us play any games unless we actually programmed them ourselves. You know, occasionally we got the cartridges, but it was mostly we had to put our own games in there. And you had to hook it up to a cassette tape. Google that one, kids. You don't know what that is. <laughs> Load them up the cassette tape. <laughs> And uh, it was a good time. And uh, yeah, so that was uh, my first experience. And I think from there, we ended up, we got a Commodore 64 somehow, somewhere along the line. And, you know, as, as, as we got a different computer for word processing and this, that, and the other thing, you know, you end up with that doom on the disc that you can throw in and go to town on. And that was my start, my intro to gaming, actually having to program my own. And my brother actually ended up studying computer science and he does a lot of programming he you know programmed uh he was one of the people involved with the the patriot missile system and one of the people that figured out that you needed to restart it every now and again or else it was going to stop working and oh here's a thought let some of the scuds through by mistake but yeah he actually ended up going into computer science and computer programming and i don't know if it was necessarily uh, the seed got planted with that texas instruments but could have been sure it did that's awesome That's that's what I always wanted to do. Um, I think our first system we had a Odyssey back in the, like the early seventies, and it had the keyboard on it. It was the Odyssey two thousand. It had the cassette you put in and the keyboard and controllers. And my I remember my parents asked me when I was real little what I wanted to do when I grew up, and I said I wanted to make video games. And my grandma said, No, there's no money in that. She was right on a lot of things, but missed the boat on that one. Yeah, sorry, ma. He, Magic eight ball was uh, stuck on, uh, was stuck on that one. Yep. (laughs) 
But uh, actually, video games were a huge part of our lives. I, I grew up in uh, South Lake Tahoe, and uh, our parents went to the casino a lot on the weekends. So before we were old enough for them to leave us home alone, they'd just take us with them and come and give us $20 each every few hours. And we just sit in the arcade all freaking weekend and play video games. That's I've played every single video game from the 80s. Uh, it was amazing. 70s, like all through the, the, the mid, late 70s and all, the, all through the 80s, actually. How about you, Carrie? The video games at the bowling alley my grandmother bowled at, like there was Pac-Man, Space Invaders, Ms. Pac- when Ms. Pac-Man came out, oh shit. Uh, you know, so the, the general initial Donkey Kong, and then I remember I would ask my grandmother for quarters while she was bowling, and of course, you know, she's, you know, she's in the zone, so how dare I interrupt her? So she's like, yeah, just grab some, grab like, you know, two quarters out of my purse, and I grabbed like eight. <laughs> I did, I did every single time she would tell me to grab one, I grabbed like five. They're definitely more than, I'm sorry, grandma. <laughs> but um, the game needed to be played and I was not in the mood to sit. I was a child. I mean, what was I going to do? Sit around watching my grandma bowl. Do you think I found that exciting at the time? Your, no. your grandma probably knew that, you know, she told you to go in and get one cord. She probably knew you were taking a couple. So she put and, extra you know, in there for you. Had, exactly. Now, I mean, eventually she probably figured it out when she needed to go do her laundry and there were no quarters. <laughs> and she's probably like that fucking kid. And she probably yelled was- at my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I know she was taking extra, but she gotta leave me something to do the laundry. I gotta wash my skivvies. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah, that that's essentially my first like video game exposure. And then like at home when the Atari came out, oh shit. The Pong, the River Raiders. Is it River Raid or River Raider? I don't know, but Google it. Google River Raid. It's a, 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 I, think I think it's, it's River Raid. Yeah. The purple, I just remember being purple and I just like playing it because it was purple. Yeah, River Raid, yeah. And then it was Pitfall. Pitfall. Did y'all ever play Pitfall? Oh yeah, I've played oh, yeah. everything on. Yeah. We had all those systems. had the Atari 2600 growing, so we didn't have an Atari or any game system, but he had them. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd end up over at his place. We'd be, you know, playing Donkey Kong, Pitfall, yeah. My mother was a maniac with Pitfall. She actually started playing it backwards. That's awesome. Like I see Jen's face. She's like, what? So when you start the game, you know, you just go to the right. You just go across the screen. And that's the whole game. You just run across the screen, jump, jump, ignore, right? Or go under, down a ladder. It's very basic gameplay. She had figured out the patterns of everything after you know repeated play because she was a housewife and she didn't really take care of us so she was playing the video <laughs> games so she figured out the pattern like she, she was brilliant but smart about it that and she played it so often that she knew the exact timing of everything so she breezed right through it one day she's like I wonder what would happen if I went backwards and we were just like oh it's not gonna let you do that it's just gonna stop and force you to continue to go to the right it did not she got through the screen and she went through the whole game backwards multiple times so yeah my mom and pitfall that was her jam and then the nintendo came out and then oh my god all the super mario uh when i moved in uh with my mom and stepdad i was like 14 they were cool as shit and so we'd sit around and play video games and so when a new video game would come out we'd go get it bring it home and like that weekend we just play it until we beat it. And like when somebody died, you just hand the controller to the next person. And then the next person, that's how we beat the games. It was, it was so fun. Nice. I would love to find a group that could just sit and do that. Yeah. So what game would you, what game would you do that with? Because I'd be down. That was every, that was like all the Mario's every time, every game. 
it was like our thing. It was cool as shit. Oh, right, let's pick a game and oh. get through it next on next visit. Next visit, yeah, because it was Judy. I bet she'd be totally down to do that. That would be so fun. So I used to work at Electronics Boutique, and it's GameStop now. They got yes. bought out, but we used to have a return policy: ten days for any reason, you can return a game. Now, if you wanted your money back, you needed a receipt, but you could return it without the receipt, and we'd either give you store credit or, you know, we'd take it back. You, you know, ad, outside of ten days, we take it back used. But uh, yeah, uh, we would actually have people who would buy a game and bring it back in a few days, and basically said they beat it can they exchange it and and mainly honestly was the demographic that did that was mostly high school boys mm-hmm. and they would come back and they'd want to exchange the game for store credit or for for something else and just you know get a new game and i just remember thinking i really wanted to ask him do you guys like you know there's this really cool game that's called life, you know, and the artificial intelligence. Sometimes <laughs> it's really smart. Sometimes it's really dumb. It's fully interactive. You just go outside your house and climb a tree and fall out of it, kid. Come on, experience <laughs> life. <laughs> I was like, why is she talking to them about a board game? <laughs> like, um, no. But yeah, I think that, I think I just remember this one group of this one kid. He actually brought back Final Fantasy VII. That was one of the big ones when I worked. And that was a game that was supposed to take you hundreds of hours to beat. And he brought it back and said he beat it within the 10 days. Yes. <laughs> Good Lord, kid. I used to have attention like that, where I could just, I would get in a game and get so sucked in. Yeah, I could not stop until I finished it. And now my attention span's gone. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Play for an hour, recharge. I'm good. All right. Yeah, Go yeah. adults again. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> might take a couple hours to recharge depending on how bad the day was but uh <laughs> but um i know you were talking earlier about that article with some of the sedentary issues that come with gaming but, you know, there's, there's been a, a lot of games that have come out that are positive for health like nintendo the switch has you know the ring and a lot of games you know for dancing and you know with, games have and the Wii had did come out with the tennis and getting people moving and stuff so I, I, there's been a movement to try and i really would and should play more video games that do get me up and moving. Yeah, you actually be burning some calories, especially like what's that that game Beat Saber? What's that? Yeah, we actually have to. It's yes. a hard game, but you actually have to use your lightsabers to smack things. Mm-hmm. So you're jumping around all over the place, and you know, probably look it's really good everybody else. But it's a little bit of a workout. Yeah, you're actually getting up and moving, stuff like that. I absolutely I- recommend that game for for activity also back to the Wii and the Wii Fit like I feel like it's kind of obsolete right now but it's still effective yeah like like the Wii Yoga like I loved doing that and getting my balance and they're like oh no and you know I was never balanced (laughs) I was close a couple times but like the yoga like I enjoyed doing the yoga that way and and then I, I I lost the I lost the Wii you didn't throw it through your tv no, I lost it in a, in a, in a breakup. Oh, okay. I lost all the video games in the breakup. When the Wii first came out and, and I remember hearing about people throwing their controller through the TV screen because yes. they refused to use the wristband. Oh, I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to lose control of my Wii. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I got no choice but to go outside and play because you just busted your biggest, your, your, your TV. Was it, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the airline that they'd even made fun of one of those one time. There were two guys I remember 
they were playing a baseball game on the Wii and the guy who owned the TV was, I forget what, what he was playing, but the, the, the guy who was visiting uh, did the wind up in the pitch and he threw his controller <laughs> through the TV and the other guy just looks at him like, fuck dude. <laughs> and the tagline was, gotta get away. <laughs> i remember that now you say it yeah and somebody is it southwest does there want to get away fair i don't know if it was southwest that had that commercial but it was it was pretty funny <laughs> this this article has a i mean it does talk about some of the positive aspects of, of gaming you know that's that is entertaining it's actually and, and it mentions being a competitive sport on college campuses you know there's actually a, a coast guard gaming team that the armed services even have and the coast guard actually just won a tournament it was a, was i think it was a world of warcraft tournament i have to I, and somebody i somebody i've been helping with uh uh re-enlisting and trying to you know do a couple of things i was trying to help her with her career she was on the team that won so awesome it was it was pretty cool That's um, so we cool. can get her on <laughs> you know what i can i can reach out and see if she would be interested in doing that that'd be amazing but yeah That's there's true. a so yeah and I, I swear, I thought it was absolutely kind of hilarious when I saw it on TV. I mean, it's it's not as bad as World Series of Poker being on ESPN, <laughs> but what is it, E60? <laughs> They're actually, they, uh, I forget which first person shooter game it was, it was competitive. You had teams of five against each other and it was a video game and it was basically on ESPN. But, uh, but yeah, there's a, uh, Oh, here we go. Uh, medical video games have medical applications such as training people with degenerative diseases to improve their balance, helping adolescents with ADHD improve their thinking skills, or training surgeons in how to do technically complicated operations. I'm, I'm pretty sure that means something a little more advanced than you know that old board game of operation with the tweezers when you try to pull out the little bone and it buzzed with (laughs) (laughs) exactly they have new versions of that it's like you know cadaver tables instead of having to do cadavers for uh students in med schools which it's hard to get Hmm? Uh, they uh they have the tables that have everything and you know just reuse them i mean it's not perfect but at least gets you good practice the first thing that popped in my head when i saw that was that board game with the clown with the red nose and you pull out the humerus and you tag that nose up. <laughs> I wonder if the new ones do the same thing. If the, if the nose, just so for nostalgia. If I was the programmer on that, I totally would have put that Easter egg in. <laughs> All right. So if anybody out there listening has done any of this training for, for surgery, any kind of medical training on any of these video games, let us know. Yeah. Screw up. Does nose light up and go. Eh. <laughs> We want to know <laughs> at Master Chief Jen on the Twitter. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, you know, if you play your games too much, you can get overuse injuries like carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, gamer's thumb, which, or which was previously called PlayStation thumb. And that's the one that was called Nintendinitis, you know, just basically the tendonitis in your thumb and, and from, from, you know, just the using the controller. Um, let's see. Uh, it's also the trigger finger. I, I, I've heard other people talking about that word. It, it, what, what's it called here? See if I can actually pronounce this. Stenosing tenosynovitis, which is when a finger gets stuck in the bent position due to chronic inflammation. So get your <laughs> fingers just stuck in a crook. That was a really good pronunciation, I think. 
I, I don't know if you did it right or not. It sounded right to me. We're, we're going to assume that I did. <laughs> we're going to hypothesize that I did. Can't make a funny word out of hypothesize now, can you? Hypothesize. <laughs> hypothesize. But you can't make an ass out of you and me with hypothesize. So. Fine. Fine. Yeah, the article does discuss the, go on to discuss, it does lead to you know chronic obesity just because of the sitting in front of the screen for hours on end and sometimes just binging junk food while you're playing but that's uh again that's that's kind of having effect on all the military with all of our recruiting issues everybody's short apparently can also become addicted to it there's internet gaming disorder is a thing oh okay i misread that it is still an open question whether video game addiction or internet gaming disorder is a unique syndrome according to the american psychological association IGD is defined as experiencing at least five of the following nine criteria over a 12-month period. Gaming preoccupation, withdrawal, tolerance, loss of interest in other activities, downplaying the use, loss of relationship, educational or career opportunities, gaming to escape or relieve anxiety, guilt, or other negative mood states, failure to control, and continue gaming despite psychosocial problems. So I'm not going to lie, every now and again, I'm an introvert and I have to pretend to be an extrovert for my job. I have to, mm-hmm. I have to like people. I have to interact with them. Uh, I have to interface with the public. But when I get home from work, I just need to recharge my battery. And a good chunk of the time I choose to do that by playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my PlayStation 4, which yeah. I have because of Carrie. But, <laughs> but uh, that's, you know, I- You're welcome. Thank you. Actually, I do enjoy the game. It's fun. But, uh, you know, I kick back and relax. And that's how I just kind of recenter myself. Um, But apparently that is one of the 12 criteria for developing Internet gaming disorder. So as long as I can avoid getting nine, those nine criteria over 12 month periods, as long as I don't display four more of those and I'm good. No Internet gaming disorder here. (laughs) It's really that's, you know, addiction. It's you know, if, if you can be addicted to anything, you know, I think addictive personality, basically. yeah, addictive person, it runs in my family, you know, and all kinds of shit run in my family, but it's like, there's all kinds of shit you can be addicted to. So if I'm addicted to gaming, I think that's way less harmful than other things I could be addicted to, you know, and I've definitely gone through my, I, all I want to do is game phases. And then I'm like, I know it's an addiction totally, but Hey, I'm not doing other things. <laughs> Not doing crack. Exactly. It's better than that. You know, I'm not drinking myself to death. You know, all I do is game. I had gaming actually was, I mean, I stopped drinking for other reasons too, but um, I actually stopped drinking when I gamed because I would, I'm so nice when I drink, I would like wake up the next morning. I like gave all my shit away in the game, you know, (laughs) know, (laughs) oh, you guys need something. Here you go. You know, and I'd get back the next day. I'm like, oh, fuck, I got to go fucking work and get all that shit back again. You know, (laughs) here's the ring of ultimate power. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Here's the one ring. Don't worry about it. Just go destroy the, just destroy the mythical world. (laughs) Can we go back to um, video games for a moment um, in in relation to like games we've played? Mm -hmm. Do either of you remember dragon's lair oh my god yes i had i have it on my phone still it's uh it was like the first animated video game it looked like a cartoon oh i think it did and like you push forward left right you know you have to yes is he gonna go forward he's got to jump over the thing or what and then if he doesn't do it he like smashes into the wall or gets and then you die the snake comes and curls up yes it was just terrifying every time you died every time 
I love that game. Oh, I played the shit out of that in the arcade. My brother's best friend got the farthest. We've never we never beat it at the art in the arcade, but oh, never, never, never. I've never beat an arcade game in the arcade. Yeah, we've did a few. I can't remember which ones, but I, there was like I saw a guy beat it. There was this older guy that would come in there. I think he worked there. And he'd come in sometimes and I saw him beat it. He was there for a long time. It was awesome. It was beautiful. <laughs> and it was always a thrill to get your initials up in the high <laughs> score listing. They, remember the game pole position? Mm-hmm. And they had it there where you could get in the cars and stuff. This is, I was still a little kid. And you'd get, um, if you got up on the thing, they'd give you a little driver's license. It was so cool. Oh, that's cool. You know, I never really got into arcade games or anything like that, but I remember when I was going to college, uh, the the MUDs, the multi-user domains, yeah. the, the, just the giant mm-hmm. text adventures that you could get on the precursor to the internet and yes. play with other nerds across the world. And uh, yeah, you could actually play those on the college computers after you were, yeah, obviously if someone needed to, you know, do word processing or do homework or say, you know, do their actual assignments, the courteous thing to do would be to stop playing games and let other people actually do their work but uh yeah you could play them at school and just play with people around the world and and i loved books i always loved books growing up and the the muds were basically just multi massive multi-user text adventures yeah they were were awesome that's what really i think that's what really sucked me into you know like i said we played the texas instruments after you programmed it um we would go over to my friend Todd's house and we'd play as Atari. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it was those MUDs that uh, really kind of got me hooked into gaming. Yeah. Really? And I, you know, uh, arcades every now and again, but didn't really have the passion for it. But uh, the text adventures, love those things. Those are fun. We used to play God, so many of them. But I think Cutthroats was one of my favorite. It was like the oh. pirate theme one. That was better. Um, was it Activision? Somebody actually came out with curious now i gotta check and see if it's actually still on my computer here but there was uh i think it was activision you could you could get a dvd with uh oh shit all of them all like uh, all the big games all the zorks cutthroats was on there there was one that i really enjoyed um i'll have to look and see later if it's here but uh oh yeah when that thing came out i got that i got that game screaming fast 486 processor whatever the hell it was at the time <laughs> i know right we've come a long way baby <laughs> you know i think the space shuttle was actually only either a 386 or a 486 processor oh wow this fitbit probably has a stronger processor absolutely used to oh, run God, the space terrifying. shuttle <laughs> love technology that's terrifying i'm sorry i think you know one of the one of the big things about games positives is, I mean, look at us. I mean, we wouldn't be together here if it wasn't for games. You know, I met Carrie through a long line of me playing games with people that, and I moved around the country and ended up uh, living with some gaming friends of mine and re- met Carrie through a whole nother group of gamers that I became friends with in Baltimore. Ta-da! Ta-da! So, but like game, gaming, you know, like you were saying about being an introvert, I've always been pretty introverted. Jobs have forced me not to be. But I find I have just I, so many online friends from all around the world. I, I think that's underplayed in video games is the connections you make and how positive it is for making social connections. It's amazing. You know, I, I mean, I have 
friends all over the world for real, like real friends that I could count on, you know? Yeah. As far as the negatives for video games, I did completely gloss over, not even mention the increased propensity towards violence or the the uh, controversial or the, you know, I, I don't know if it's some controversy or actually proven that video games actually desensitize people to violence. That's a whole podcast all on its own. Some mm-hmm. of these issues. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, we could we could easily talk about just that for an hour. And we have fun things to talk about, like Tara Research. So Hello, welcome to Tara Research with Just Carrie, where I go through the career of Tara Reed because I was wrong. I was wrong, and I'm sorry, Tara Reed. And as penance, I'm going through her career watching basically everything I can watch that's either free or cheap to watch because budget. Uh, Tara Tidbit, did you know that Tara was an investor in a restaurant called Ketchup? It's now closed, but she wasn't. That, I just thought it was a cool name. And so therefore, that is your Tara Tidbit. She was once an investor in a now closed restaurant called Ketchup. What I watched recently was Urban Legends from 1998. It has a 5.6 out of 10 from IMDb. I got to catch it on Pluto TV. Just to let you know, I did get it with commercials. And uh she is first seen slash heard as the DJ on the radio as someone's driving. So I thought that was really cool. She has a really great voice. She really does. It's like kind of gravelly and stuff. She really does. I, I do like love her voice. See, you know, you know. And once again, she wasn't a main character in this movie. She was like, what I, even though like she was the DJ, she was part of the main character group, but she wasn't a main character. She was the girlfriend of some crap boy. Brace yourselves. We've got a spoiler tornado heading our way, courtesy of Just Carrie's Tara Reed Search. If you're not a fan of spoilers, put on your spoiler-proof helmets and jump to safety by skipping ahead. So the short story in this is she winds up dying. <laughs> Unfortunately, she, she does get um, hacked by an axe. And I really think she did a good job in this movie. But she had a crying scene. And I just don't think she, at this point in her career, because there's so much more of Tara Reed to go. At this point in her career, I don't think she's a great crying actress at the moment. And I feel bad even making that judgment because I'm not an actor. I can't act. I can't cry on command. Who the hell am I to say this? I am me. It's just an opinion. And uh, it's okay if you disagree. But this is my current situation. And I hope, I hope to watch her evolve in her cry game. Overall, I did enjoy Tara Reid in Urban Legends. It is a, a cult. Can we use the term cult classic here? Oh, I would. I, I like. I love that movie. It is a cult classic. And then while watching this movie, I also recognized um, Joshua Jackson and Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. So movie was good. Cry face. And she was good in this. I, I enjoyed the movie. And it wasn't scary because, again, I watched it all the way through without being like, oh, no. Next up, Around the Fire from 1998, 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, and I got to see it on Tubi. Uh, She's first seen, uh, she noticed the main character while she was with a friend. Um, She said he was a hottie while she was making stir fry. Basically, she's a hippie in this movie, and the main character is some straight-laced kid and blah, blah, blah. The movie was mediocre at best. I did enjoy the character she played. There's a lot of hippie dancing montages there's a lot of um drug use oh um i did write that she uh did give good flirty looks 
I might have been medicated when I watched this one because I didn't want to watch it. So she gives good flirt face, huh? She gives good flirt face. Yeah, there's a couple of times I wrote dancing montage scene, dancing montage scene. So basically she gets involved with the main character and he has issues with drugs and whatever, blah, blah, blah. I didn't like this movie. I just didn't. I liked her though. I liked her in the movie. Tara Reid is holding strong. Uh, there was a scene where she did sing. So I think she's actually singing when her character sings, maybe. I'm leading towards to, yes on that. I'm going to have to Google that. Let's, let's, let's Google that real quick. Are you going to Google that for me? I will Google that as you, as you move on. Okay. I'll report in. Let's see. Oh, there was a, 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 a quote unquote sex scene where her hair was in the way. So you couldn't see anything happening. <laughs> but I blame that on the director, not Tara. And then there was a hippie dance scene on psychedelics, which I found annoying. Oh, wait, there is some redeeming quality of this movie. I wrote good, almost crying scene. So there's that. And then I wrote no one else notable in this movie, in my opinion. Like I, there was like no one I recognized. So yeah, the, uh, what the hell was the name of this movie? Around the Fire. It wasn't the best movie I ever watched. I'm not, I, I don't know why I keep saying bad things about it. Where Tara Reid shined like a diamond in this but yeah I, I don't think it was uh I did fast forward through some of it until I saw her on the screen I'm not gonna lie is that bad I didn't think so sorry I was reading what did you say oh I was I kind of because I was just so not into this movie oh. I kind of fast forwarded until I saw her on the screen is that bad <laughs> no you're doing Tara read search yeah not like fuck this movie research yeah, <laughs> she didn't like the movie. You didn't like the movie, but she stuck I didn't with it. Like the movie. In it. But again, I understand as a young actor, you take is you take what you're given in this world with these with these acting jobs. Yeah, I'm googling it, and like normally you'd say, you know, I, I just put it, you know, does Tara read sing her own songs in movies, and like nothing's really coming up. It's talking about Josie and the Pussycats, but it's not. I'm. I would think if she did her own songs, that would be like big like that she was a singer i don't I'm not i really think this requires anything. more research i think so i think i think you, you need to dig deeper into this carrie i will i'm digging deep and i'm looking forward to reaching josie and the pussycats to to, to dig deeper on lyrics and, and whatnot and, <laughs> and and voices and who did what now after that horrible movie she did something called what we did that night in 1999 5.7 out of 10 she plays the girl i didn't even read it read a name well also it was a tv movie i couldn't find it anywhere and i don't even know what network it was from or through so if anyone has any idea um if you ever heard of something called what we did that night from 1999 um, and you want to send me a link as to where that is, justcarryiis at gmail.com. That'd be great. At justcarryiis on the Twitter. So next, do we all remember a movie called Cruel Intentions? Yes. Now, do you remember her role in this movie? No. Neither did I. I remember watching the movie, but of course, the only thing anyone really remembers is the Sarah Michelle Geller and Selma Blair kiss. I remember the movie and I was like, oh, you know, she's probably one of the girls, you know, Ryan Phillippe's character pissed off and blah, blah, blah. Because I know he was like a womanizer in this movie. This might be the shortest role she has had thus far, other than like maybe a commercial. Um, so next up, Cruel Intentions from 1999, 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. 
She plays Marcy Greenbaum, first seen in a picture on the therapist's desk. Um, Ryan Phillippe's character is in therapy. He is seeing the therapist's daughter because he's a sadistic son of a bitch. And basically, um, she has a crying scene off the bat. I put a sad face next to it. Ryan Phillippe's character, Sebastian, um, dated her, took some pictures of her and then photoshopped them onto her mother's book and then released that as a meme. So as you can understand, that's quite upsetting. So basically she was just in the first five minutes of the movie, maybe 10-ish, but I did write ha ha ha, but I was disappointed that she wasn't in it more because I really thought she was like one of the other girls that had a had a thing with him and I couldn't remember what it was really, what really happened in the movie at the end. Like in my head, I was like, oh, you know, all these girls get revenge on him. No, that does not happen. So yeah, so far the shortest Tara Reid role thus far in Cruel Intentions. Again, a good movie. Well, at least considered a cult classic, we would say. Yeah, I, I, would, I would think. Have you seen it recently? Because I don't remember, like, again, only remember The Kiss. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, this is such a fucking mindfuck. It, it was a good movie. I saw it when it came out. No, like so I, of course, I don't remember. and bullying and yeah. incest. And it's all over the place. But you would say that, though, her, her crying did improve. You have seen improvement from the last film you saw that she cried in. It was... Wasn't great, but it was a little better, right? Yeah, but I feel like there was a slip back in Cruel Intentions on the cry face. Oh. Just a slip back. But not, again, it's still, I've seen worse cry faces. And again, there's some guilt in, in making this judgment as I am not an actor. I've not been trained in any way. So I feel bad, like, I'm I just stupid feeling bad about, like, I wonder what, like, people who review movies and shit for a living feel. Like, do you feel guilty about judging someone for something you don't fucking do? Probably not after the first few checks. <laughs> and essentially that is, this is a, a I guess a, a shortened version of uh, Tara Research this, this, this week. Next up on Tara Research, we start with American Pie. So we could talk for hours about some of these issues, but sooner or later, you, our dedicated listeners are going to want to go listen to something else. And next time, on our June 2nd episode, we will be celebrating all things Pride Month and discussing the Stonewall riots with a special guest. Who's that going to be? You'll have to listen to find out. Oh, wait, did I say June 2nd? My mistake. I meant June 1st. That may or may not have been a hint, folks. Jen, don't you have to feed your cat? Why, yes, I do. All right, everybody. Have a good one. All right, bye. 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 Hello, dear listeners. We're thrilled to announce the winner of our Star Wars Haiku Contest. Drumroll, please. And the winner is Melissa underscore crew from Instagram. Her haiku beautifully captures a pivotal and haunting moment in the Star Wars saga. Let's hear it one more time. Order 66, Younglings in the Temple, Scared. Anakin's Gotham. Congratulations, Melissa. Your understanding of the Star Wars universe expressed through the elegant simplicity of haiku, truly impressed us. You're the proud new owner of the Bo-Katan Chris Funko Pop. Please reach out to Just Carry for delivery options. A big thank you for participating in our first contest. May the force be with you, always. Mm-hmm.